Welcome, 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 podcast listeners. It is episode number 261 of the Fret Talk podcast. You are joined here by your host. <laughs> You're joined by Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You're also joined by a guy who's trying to count 261 on one hand with his fingers. It is Mr. Oh my gosh, it is Josh. Hello, me. Boom. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> way, way to break my concentration during an intro, but hats off. If I was from certain parts of the UK, I would be able to do it, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm from the normal <laughs> Birmingham. So. Yeah. yeah, a bit of a, bit of a redneck <laughs> joke there. Yeah, for those that know, they know. That's it. <laughs> Who are and all that. Yeah, so <laughs> this is episode number 261. I, th- I believe on my, um, my time hop thing, uh, it showed that, the Fret Talk podcast has been going over five years now, which is absolutely mental. That is, it's ridiculous. It's a cracking amount of time when you when you think about it, and it especially if, you know, running through COVID and everything else that's happened in the world. It, it stay true. It stay true. That is, that is, it's the one constant that we have all got here. Like no matter what <laughs> is going on with the world, there will always be a Fret Talk podcast on a Monday. Whether, whether you want it or not, you're getting it. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, aside from those two weeks that we have off during Christmas time, because we uh, we do get an annual holiday, but it's not very yeah, long. Yeah, but, you know, we go out with a feature-length podcast and beers and games, so, you know, we give back. That's it, yeah. And, and occasionally we do little bonus bonus as well, don't we? I think we've got, like, no, four episodes up now. Might be five, actually. Uh, yeah, four, I think. I don't know. I've lost count already. Yeah, the last one was a really short one. Um, and it was a little a little bit of an insider, not an insider secret, but like a like a little little tip. Peek behind the curtain. Yeah, it was a little tip off. So it's it's well worth being a Patreon member because you get these little little tip offs and you get the the stuff that's a little bit too saucy, stuff that gets kind of Left on the cutting room floor goes into the goes into the extra. Um, yeah, which which most of it is stuff that I've probably said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So this week, Josh, we have got a joint. What we've been up to, haven't we? We have. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of ended up being probably the most expensive, like filming. Uh, Filming bit, video filming, or yeah, like production yeah. day on, uh, uh, at Pedal Builds of Two. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave that one just for a moment because I'm gonna be a little bit self centered and talk about a video that I will have released by the point that this this is out. Um, but we we have got a big big um, like guitar days worth of production to talk about. Uh, so the the um, pedal that I released this week is the Demon Effects mini chorus and it doesn't take a genius to figure out what this one is pointing up unless like you you literally you don't have any idea of what the the pedals based upon and you've not heard of a, a specific brand yeah um, you, a, a seasoned guitar player is going to know yeah yeah once you're past kind of that beginner stage and you know 
you know a little bit about effects. You know what these people are pointing towards. And that is much um that is pretty much the MO of the, the Demon Effects lineup at the moment. That you've got. Like I did the uh Prince of Sound, I think it was called. Which <laughs> like very, very shameless. And then I've I've also done this mini chorus, which was um which was lent to me by um the chap over at affordable pedals so hats off to affordable pedals uh uk company that do uh, they basically work as a middleman between certain chinese companies um so they buy a, buy like pedals in in batches and it, it then means you can buy directly from them if you're in the uk without having to deal with like six weeks worth of shipping and like potentially getting caught in customs and and all of this. He sorts all of that that nonsense out for you, gets like a batch of pedals through, and then we'll sell them off. Pretty much the price you'd be paying over at AliExpress and all of those places. We don't yeah, speak so. about those websites. However, they do it, it, it occasionally produce some absolute gold. Yeah, I mean, you, like if you look on them, you can you can tend to find like the the lowest possible prices for stuff like Joyo and Moore and stuff like that because they sell them pretty much wholesale but you do like you run the you run the gambit of um if you get caught up in customs or if it gets caught up in shipping anywhere you're pretty much fucked because they once they've shipped it they wash their hands of it and just go nah, it's done now so yeah We've done our bit. You know, you can very much say pay twenty pounds for you know a pedal, but whether you receive it or not is potluck. That's it. So it's um, it's a bit of bit bit hit or miss. But like I say, if you're in the UK, check out uh, affordable pedals. I think it's afford afford aboard hyphen pedals, um, which <laughs> it kind of. Kind of steps on the toes of uh, Ryan Burke over at Sixty Cycle. He did a, um, a, a YouTube series about the affordable yes, affordable dash pedals. That's I it. Just googled it myself. So if, yeah, if you do want to check on, uh, it's not just um, Demon Effect stuff that he does. He does um, it does other um, hard to get hold of brands as well, uh, but. Yeah, so I tried out the mini chorus, and like it sounds sounds really good. It's um, it's based on the the Analog Man mini chorus, and it's got the 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 toggle switch as well, which gives you thin mode, thick mode, and um, it it weren't normal mode mode. It was something like realistic mode or something like that. Some some bad <laughs> some bad translation. Uh, so basically, like you've got like a, a thinner, um, almost like the kind of the 80s clean tones that you used to get, like the really thin strat tones that you'd get that did like funk stuff in pop music. Perfect for that. It's got almost this kind of like metallic undertone as well, so it gets almost in the same um, same area as a flanger. So you've got that kind of metallic undertone. The thick mode really thickens it up, gets that really big lush, like purple rain style, eighties chorus. Um, they really should have called it the purple rain then. 
I mean, there, there's so many options that they could have chosen um, for the for for a number of these pedals, but they wrongly or rightly that they have decided to go for the jugular with all of these pedal designs and go. <laughs> We are taking pretty much all of the artwork. It, it it will come to a point of where, I mean, if you listen to the podcast last week, you know we were touching upon it, and it is very much like it wouldn't be surprising if they at one point have a a season desist, much like kind of when ESP were doing the banana headstock explorers, and then Gibson were like, whoa. Yeah, okay. Steady on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I think with certain pedals they have. Um but it's 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 a matter of time before before the the industry catch up with them and then they they're forced to change things. But I think like I think that might be part of their strategy that they've done this to be that kind of that cheeky brand. And it is it's worked. Like people are talking about them because they they are looking exactly like the uh exactly like the pedals that they're supposed to be cloning. Well, I say exactly. <laughs> it's it's like if uh, I guess the best way to literally word it and you know, this kinda gets thrown around as um a joke, but it's literally if you bought it on Wish you yeah, know and people a, say oh like you know like it's yeah. a oh you know it's the cheap version or you know for the old school british people it's like you know you had the hot wheels cars and you had the crash bang wallop cars <laughs> where like if you squinted at it from really far away it looks exactly the same it's, oh yeah <laughs> like it's it, it fools you at maybe like 50 meters and then the moment you get closer you you see those imperfections and the the bits that aren't aren't right straight away it sticks out like a sore thumb if you know what you're looking for um so like in 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 the terms of that and this was a comment that was mentioned on i think it was mentioned on my instagram actually um the the type of people who know what an, an analog man chorus is know exactly what an analog man chorus is supposed to look like so it's not fooling them it's not fooling the kind of people who would be buying an analog man chorus. It might fool someone who's who's a beginner, but do they know like do they know enough about effects to know the difference between a, a boss chorus and an analog man chorus? Probably not. That's it. Like I had it when I paid a gig, and I've got a Wish version of a clunt on my pedal board. Yeah. But, you know, like, I I mean, we had this discussion the other day and, you know, I said, you know, I'm not trying to pass it off as a clon. Yeah, so, you, you know, very I've much got, made it I, not I, that clon, haven't you? Yeah, like, I've fully drawn the centaurs the, the already on there, but I've drawn it with a sword in its hand and a big penis, and then it's actually slaying a bigger penis. <laughs> and and yeah. it, you know, I I played a gig, and the, the the sound man took a picture of the board and the pedal, and he was getting inbox going, "Oh my god, somebody's done that to a clan!" And it's just like, well, one, if I did that to a real clan, I think people would turn up to my house and shoot me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you'd be you'd get a much bigger crowd at your gig, but it'd be uh, kind of it'd be a dime bag situation, wouldn't it? 
You'd be fearing yeah. for your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm not trying to pass it off as something that it's not. No, absolutely. And the people who are in the know enough to be able to, um, like, consider buying a clon seriously would take one look at that wish clon and would go, that's absolutely not a clon. Like, the, the enclosure's not even right to start off with. It's just a kind yeah. of standard Hammond-style enclosure rather than the kind of the the clone style like one that's got the yeah. well, it's got the kind of edges on it hasn't it so it's not it's not a, like a standard yeah. rectangle it's got like edges um so it look instantly people who are serious enough to know what a clone looks like would go that's not a clone yeah so it's not fooling people in that sense so look in in like if you think of it in that terms then yes it's it's not really uh, like stepping on anyone's toes it's not it's not for the market of people who would be buying the analog man or who or who would be buying the the clon the only kind of thing i i, I guess that like it's not i know this is going to sound bad on the part of you know analog man themselves but having a pedal like that doesn't necessarily hurt anyone because let's be honest, you know, there's a big weight at least for the majority of their pedals, you know, when and when they do make them. Yeah. And, you know, the budget, you know, it's like a clan. Not everybody can afford one. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily hurt anyone. But again, at the same time, you can understand why people don't don't like seeing it. Yeah, like it's it's definitely IP theft, isn't it? It's like they are they are very cheeky in the way that they have uh, taken the intellectual property of that specific pedal. You could understand if you were the person making that pedal because like, Analog Man aren't a big setup. They're like maybe like a handful of people who are like hand making these circuits. You could understand them like who've put time and effort into developing these circuits and like developing the the aesthetic and and also developing the the brand as well and then you see some cheap 20 quid 30 quid version of your own pedal looking like it is doing the exact same thing um but with the with the people that they are uh, taking inspiration from at the moment i think they have solid enough reputations that actually the the market for that, like the people who are buying their pedals, aren't going to be fooled by a Demon Effects pedal. Yeah. Um, and Doug Christ as well put a post on uh, on Instagram, and he said that he wouldn't buy one, and it's not not necessarily based on the fact that it's like intellectual property theft, like even though that's like kind of morally sketchy grounds but just purely on the fact that it's lazy. It's really lazy. Like you said, they could have they could have easily put this in a purple enclosure and called it the purple rain. And it would have it would have still been a like a, a great sounding pedal, but it wouldn't have kicked up that stink. But maybe maybe that's what, what it was there for. It's it's there as like a short term goal to get them on the map. They'll get the cease and desists. Then they'll switch over to their own designs, but people will already know about these pedals. Who knows? Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens with them. I've I've got a few in uh 
like I say, I've got, I've got the Prince of Sound, I've got the uh, the Mini Chorus, and I've got a Keeley style compressor in as well. Because they are popular, people are talking about them, and I want to, um, like, I want, I want to like dispel the myths on them and and, and try them out, to see if they are, they are actually legitimate pedals, or if it is just I will make it look like it so that people will buy them, and they're not putting any effort into it. But so far, the uh, the sounds that have come out of them have been pretty decent. So we shall see, but. I'm not endorsing any like intellectual property theft, and I, I I would fully stand on the side of Analog Man or Keeley or Bill Finnegan on this, and just yeah, the these are not the real thing. But leave in the leave in the comments what you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let your... us let us know what you think about it because it's it's a, it's a very interesting discussion. Yeah, it's it's not something that's got a yes or no answer, is it? It's not black and white. It's there's it's very much that that middle ground. It's that grey scale between. And like some days you could you could change your mind on a dime as well. You could be thinking, oh, actually, no, I don't endorse it this day. And then the next day you hear a bit of an argument from someone else. Go, actually, yeah, is it really hurting anyone? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I I get you. Um, so so, Mister Josh, Josh. We have now we're on to the meat of the the uh, shall we say the fret talk podcast this week? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this, so two weeks ago, I believe, like this, two casts ago, I was talking yeah. about how um, I went to your well, I, I got near your street and then my car blew up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think. Before we before we get into the full meat of it, we need to we need to have an obituary for my previous car, yeah, which cool. has unfortunately gone to the scrapyard in the sky. <laughs> um, but I, I got myself uh, I say new car; it's not new in the slightest. Um, but it's a new new car to me, and it works. It moves, and it got me got me there. So I finally got to go to Casa de Castle. So they castle, I like it. And we uh we had an absolutely fantastic day just geeking out over guitar stuff. Literally, and we had you know, we had an idea of what we were gonna film, you know, we'd already discussed what we were gonna do before you know, beforehand. And yeah, I think we spoke was, about in... it on the last podcast actually. We spoke about yeah. a couple of different things, didn't we? And then it just kind of we um I guess once we'd kind of done the majority of the film, so you know, we'd obviously we'd discussed that we, were, you know, I would try out the helix, and Budge would try out the uh, the quad cortex, and it was like, all oh, try this, all oh, try this, all oh, try this, all oh, try this, you know, just and then just general cocking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there was definitely some of that, weren't there? But yeah. from that was born some absolutely brilliant ideas. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll talk a, talk a little bit about later. I think as as our kind of our meat and meat and gravy on this one is the quad cortex versus the stomp, isn't it? That's what we yeah like the big idea that what we wanted to try because I, I'm a big advocate of the stomp because I've I've had that for years and I've been running that as my my main thing. Like a lot of my demos are run through the stomp. Um, a lot of the sounds that you hear whenever I'm playing. On, on YouTube or on Instagram, we'll be going through that stomp. Same goes for Josh. 
Josh is a big advocate and has done uh, done videos about the quad cortex on pedal boards of doom as well. And we wanted to see kind of what the crack was. Like how how do you get what on? all the fuss yeah, is about, like, so to speak. So we we did a little challenge where we saw how each of us would get on with the other other uh, modeler. So how easy they were to just pick up and use. And and we yeah. were both surprised, I think. Yeah. Would be a good way to word it. Yeah. Obviously the the um the quad cortex is much much bigger unit and has got so much more processing power and he's a lot much more powerful uh i i barely even scratched the surface with that as well because we we had a little quick quick blast on it and i managed to get a a pretty pretty decent sounding kind of clean tone patch that had a bit of ambience with it and a, a bit of grit as well um, yeah, it, it dug in when you needed it to, but it was it was clean enough as well that you know you had a lot of uh, dy- dynamic dynamics to it, wouldn't you? You know, because you predominantly were playing with your fingers and without a pick. So. <laughs> yeah, because I forgot to pull my pick out. <laughs> yeah, we we hit the record button, and I was like, oh, oh shit! Yeah, well, that's it. But uh, you know, you was able to then kind of have a lot more tonal control. You know. Yeah digging a little bit more or you could just you know the slightest of deft touches and it really did um react yeah. to how you were playing yeah and it and that's that's something that i was i was getting in absolute spades with the quad cortex was the uh that kind of the response that you get back like when you're playing a real amp you get a response back the playing that you put in is the is the tone that you get back you dig in and you get you get the 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 sag of a of an amp and you like you can really feel that that feedback of the amp um and I was getting that in spades and one thing that I did try as well um you you might get to see it in the video depending on what our editors do with it um but I tried out a fuzz on the on the quad cortex because historically fuzzes are quite they're quite quirky things like they they don't react like an analog fuzz is is only a couple of components but they can react differently on different days and like different temperatures and 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 whatnot and depending on what guitar you're putting into it they're really really temperamental they're really they've got so much character though and modelers really find that as a struggle um yeah, they they kind of they just don't have that like you know a fuzz kind of has I don't know it's like that br- not brittle quality to it but it's like the the break up you know sort of sound to it uh, which yeah like you say with some modelers you can try a fuzz and it, it, you can tell it sounds synthetic yeah. almost yeah and that was uh, it was very much the case on the old line six stuff that was the uh the m5 which was kind of it was taking like some of the stuff from the the like the previous generation of pod or like a lot of the drives but especially the fuzzies you'd go mm, that's not there the the fuzzies and the helix are, are not bad they they're, they're pretty decent 
Um, the one in the the cortex was just like just ahead. It it had that that feedback. It rolled back with the the volume control, and it really really let you dig in. Yeah, it it cleaned up really nicely, it, and, and you know that was just um, you know a, a neural version of fuzz, you know of of the fuzz face. Yeah, facial um, fuzz, isn't it? Yeah, face, uh, facial fuzz, you know. But of course, then you know. To be fair, what we didn't try and what we'll probably do again next time is you can capture your fuzz pedals and then you know import them onto the quad cortex. So you know it would be interesting to see then how it would change. You know, so like you know we we both played through a fuzz yeah. pedal uh, and then capturing it and then you know comparing to how it goes. Yeah, we could do like the the neural capture versus the the actual tone of the pedal. Yeah. That'd be a really good one, actually, that would. So that's that's one to look forward to in the future. What were your experiences with the um the stomp? Because it's a completely um, different unit, isn't it? It's like a, a much smaller yeah. unit. Um I, I must admit it was a lot smaller than uh, in, and you know Yeah, like you gotta an, got in your mind what you think it's yeah, gonna be in like, this. I've seen, you know, people with, you know, the the full version helixes and stuff mm. and, you know, so like I, I kind of had an idea of, okay, so it's a smaller, like more compact, but then I was like, oh, it's that small. Kind of, you know, I, I was <laughs> not quite the first sp- time I've heard that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> ding, ding. Um, and I, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, um. I think it was easier for you to navigate on the cortex than it was, um, like for me, onto the helix straight away, or onto the HX, I should call it rather. Um, yeah, you had, you like, had maybe like two or I three was, minutes. I was, where you were... tw- I was like twisting knobs. I was like, okay, this isn't doing anything. This button sending me to like a home screen, and I was just like, ah, what's going on? Yeah, but yeah. then once I fi- once I figured out what I you know which did what I was like ah okay you know we're cooking with gas as we were saying um, and I you know I much preferred the way that um, the amps pedals things like that were were going from like low gain to high gain yeah that you know made a lot more sense I mean don't get me wrong I I like the alphabetical order on the, the cortex because I can just go, oh I want a Sardano <whistles> done, you know. Yeah. If you know yeah, if you know exactly what the model's called, you you can get to it real quick then. Yeah. Um the the, the tones were really good. And in the video I said, you know, I, I very quickly, you know, in the ten minutes got a tone that say like, you know, if my quad cortex packed up and I had this in my bag. I would more than happily have gigged with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a couple of stank faces that were being pulled. Oh, absolutely. Um, from like, from both know, sides as well, weren't they? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, I, I did notice the, the difference in using the DSP. Yeah. Uh, because you know, I I think I only I had a drive, a delay. Uh, an amp and a cab I think that was it and then already I was starting to kind of go into like DSP um, limitations for other effects 
Yeah, yeah. Some um, of the some of the drives were were grayed out by the time you'd added those like four or five blocks, weren't they? It weren't it weren't um, all of them. It was just the like the the really heavy yeah. DSP use ones, like the um, yeah the Horizon Drive and the um. Uh, I think it was a legacy drive or whatever it's the called. The King of Tone, I can't remember what they call it, like the, the Air Apparent or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, like one of those and it was like, because they're like super DSP heavy. Um, but um, it was, you were already kind of peeking at the uh, at the barrier of DSP at that point, weren't you? Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like, well, I would like to have done a little bit more with this, you know, like I quite like my ambience. Yeah. Um, so like I would have liked to put a really big reverb on there and a big stereo delay, but obviously that's also then kind of being used to what you can do on the quad cortex compared to then kind of having to down, like dial it back, yeah, so to speak. Um, but all in all, I was really surprised at how good it was, especially for, you know, the price difference between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was really pleasantly surprised. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I did genuinely really enjoy it. Yeah, there, there was some some moments where you were getting lost in the sound. And that is, yeah, that's the the kind of the selling point right there, isn't it? If you can, like, within 10 minutes, you can dial in a tone that's getting you playing, then that's that's the battle won there, isn't it, really? It was kind of weird in this, like, I think the first amp I picked was, I think it was, was it the Saldano SLO. Yeah. And then um, I was running it into a matchless cab, <laughs> which, is like, which is a really bizarre combination. Yeah, but it was just like I wanted a two twelve, but I wanted something that was going to be you know that you could it was going to be relatively like a clean sound coming through it to get the more natural side of the amp, so to speak, and not color it too much, which is what a matchless would do if you had it in real life, and you know you would carry yeah, majority like of the meat with the soldado, um, and you know. Yeah, I, I I just really liked it, and I would uh, I would like to then make that exact same style sound on the Cortex, and kind of like AB too, because I think it would actually be a lot closer than people think. Yeah, yeah, that's maybe something we could do remotely as well. Is mm. I I try and recreate the patch that I created on the Quad Cortex, and you try and recreate the patch that you created on the um. On the helix, on the stomp, on the stomp, yeah. yeah, and we could, yeah, see see what the what the different tones we can get out of it. That'd be really a really interesting um, comparison, wouldn't it? But like as as a first impressions video, like a quad cortex user using an HX stomp, and an HX stomp user using a quad cortex. Within within ten minutes, we both managed to get a tone that we were like, yes, this is this is the tone. So. And that's that's the whole point. It's like you've got ten minutes, and you know it is putting yourself in that situation of you know you say you're playing a gig and someone just goes, "Oh, I've got this that you can borrow." That's how quickly it. can you make? How quickly can you make a gig in turn? And it just goes to show that with no experience, because you know it wasn't like you know, oh, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. No, it's turn on. There you go. Yeah, the, like once um, once we got into the swing of things it was a case of 
like us using that uh kind of tonal preferences to to guide us rather than us, us getting stuck at the roadblocks of like technical um yeah stuff like you, like you, when it came to making the ones on the cortex you really enjoyed being like the fact that you could either touch screen or you could use the the foot switch knobs to change like the parameters of the amp or the pedal and it's like the way they light up to show you know to say okay red is your amp or orange is your drive and green is your delay or compressor or you know what have you yeah it's really smart that was those um foot switch that also double up as knobs because it meant that the, the like the front face of the cortex is basically you've got screen and then you've got your bank of what is it like 10 foot switches or eight foot switches eight is it eight uh, so you've got you've got basically it's like a really sparse looking um, like interface on the front, but all of those foot switches double up as as knobs to uh, to adjust the parameters. But then you've also you've got the option of touching it on the screen as well. So you've got Telelight is ten knobs. Sorry, I just I just literally googled a picture of it. Yeah, it's ten. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you've got two more. Uh, but yes, I've, I've, that was really really useful. Uh, because it meant that you could you could just look at the screen and then adjust the 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 dials um, in real time without having to think mm. about it too much. What's also quite useful is I di- I didn't show you this this feature, but when say if you're playing a gig mm-hmm. and you know it's it's it, you know it might be very easy to just knock um, a knock a knob when you're playing a gig or you know yeah. you're bending down to like I don't know you dropped a guitar pick and touch a screen you can. If you just tap the standby button, it completely locks the screen and the knobs. So okay. you can still change your patch, but like you, any of the you know, parameters, you, are any of the parameters stay exactly the same. That is a really cool feature. I'm down with that. Yeah, so yeah, it's very useful. Yeah, I think that's that's what struck me about the Quad Cortex is that there's a lot of features on it that have been thought about. Like they've really, really put the time and effort into thinking how a guitar player is going to use this. And it make it makes a lot of sense. I mean, also the, uh, the UI on the back, not massively, massively, um, expanded Different. in comparison to the, yeah. the stomp. You know, I think the stomp had, you know, was it, you had, it was all quarter inch jacks and yeah. I think it's like, you know, mono, mono in stereo in and whatnot, but you know, whereas with, the cortex you've got four inputs two of which are xlr or quarter inch jack and you've got uh two uh you've got two effects loops then you've got a headphone and the capture uh then you've got two regular quarter inch jack outs two midis two xlr two expression usb and um, I think that might be it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's massively expanded. I mean, if you compare it to like the the bigger Helix, which is closer in price point, I think they're comparable, very similar, if if not the same. Um, but in like in terms of the the stomp, they have they have stripped it back to a point where it is the the bare essentials. Just what you need. Yeah, I think it is. It might be. Looking down, actually, is a, um, a stereo in, stereo out. But you've got uh, a, 
stereo effects loop, but the send is a TRS, and then the returns are two separate ones. You've got MIDI, you've got an expression, and you've got a headphone out. Oh, and and USB to be able to record via USB as well. Um, yeah, but it's it's literally like the the um, the essentials, and it covers three of the four sides of the the pedal because it's it's such a small unit, like you say. Yeah, um, and with uh, obviously with the Cortex as well, is it is an audio interface as well, and I think yeah, you can have. I think it's eight inputs and eight outs or something absolutely stupid. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, takeaway from it is that we um, we were both, both mass- enjoyed each other's. Yeah, we, we got to play with each other's toys and it was great fun. Uh, and you'll be getting to see that on Pedal Boards of Doom. Um, it won't be within the next couple of weeks because I think the next couple of weeks our videos are already earmarked. But... Just get get on Peabot on YouTube and subscribe to it and hit the notifications because it will be coming up. And we have got another couple of absolutely fantastic videos. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we went. Oh, one of which has had me smiling for the last twenty four hours. <laughs> Indeed. So we like we after we'd gone through the the quad cortex and the stump, and we'd done a few pedals as well. Like we'd. Like bought some pedals to play with. After we'd done that, like we were like going through each other's guitars. Like Josh let me play the um the the Chapman's that he's he's like holds so dear. So he's got the the um Rabia baritone and he's got the ML one. Um, it's a which were, which were a little bit more kind of I guess outside of your comfort zone. Yes, 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 yes. To to some extent. But I think you, um, I think you seem to enjoy them. Oh, absolutely! Um, like the the Chapman stuff, I've always kind of discounted. I had uh, one of the ML ones way, way back in the day, and it was like the first run, which was like really cheap and Chinese made. The quality yeah, control the, weren't the there. The walnut top, the walnut top ones, I think. Yeah, it was just it was like this matte matte black finish, and it was just. It was it was the price I paid for it. I paid about two hundred quid for it, and it, it exactly played like a two hundred pound guitar. Um, and I, I expected more, and I ended up getting rid of it because it was just it's just a bit like like I say, the quality weren't there as well. There was little niggly bits on it, like one of the the tuners rocked back and forth because the um, the little screw hole was loose. Like it had been uh, widened, widened out, but they hadn't caught it on quality control. Um, and when I when I first got it, it was fretting out, so I had to get it go like, go get it set up and whatnot. Uh, and it was like it was a really heavy guitar, and it weren't particular like it was like a super strat. You know what the ML ones are like, yeah. But it was like super super heavy, so it ended up putting me off the Chapman stuff. But like that that Rabia baritone was absolutely fantastic. Very much out of my comfort zone because it's like pretty much five frets below where I'd usually be playing like yeah. in terms of the tone. Um, so like it was it was difficult to get my head around like the the kind of the sonic difference of it, but the quality of it was brilliant. 
And that you said that's pretty much like a standard standard one. Yeah, it? that's that's um, like the um, the budget version of his uh, his baritone. So at the moment, they're I think they're actually on sale. They're five nine nine at the moment. They're usually I think about six four nine or seven hundred, give or take. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's you know, it's a standard. You've got locking tuners. You've got a baked maple neck, uh, yeah. glow in the dark side dots. Yeah. Um, it's the Chapman uh, henchman set, which are based on the uh, Benacle, um Not Ragnarok. Uh, what's it called? It's not his signature one. Uh, War pig. War pig. Oh, the War pig. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, a war pig and um, a fifty-nine. Uh, oh, a little fifty-nine. 59. Yeah, in the, in the um, neck. In the neck. Uh, you know, and I think it's a ridiculously comfortable guitar for, um, yeah, for what it is. Yeah, considering it's like, like a, a baritone scale, and it's log. What you say it was like twenty-eight inch scale length for something uh, like tw- tw- twenty-eight and a half inch scale, and that had. Uh, thirteen through sixty twos. Yeah, like considering that is that's a a good like a good three three inches and change over what I'd usually be playing. Uh, it didn't feel it didn't feel alien to me, and the the thick thick strings you could feel that they were thick, but they weren't like massive amounts of tension. You like you heard me. I was I was still managing to like rip some <laughs> ridiculous uh, yeah. <laughs> ridiculous shred on it. When you when you got mean, high output um, pickups, you got it, ain't you? There's some uh, you may know as somebody, uh, John Canern. He's a Chapman artist and works in Dural. Yeah, and he is very he's very much you know kind of in your bracket of guitar playing, and he uses he uses the the pro version of the baritone in something stupid, but he does it all for like jazz. And stuff like that, <laughs> and it's it's incredible. I look at him and I'm like, man, I can't do, I can't do that with the baritone. Jesus Christ! Where are those notes? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, if anybody's interested in you know a baritone but doesn't play, gen, you know, the the genty bamba camp, then John is somebody to to check out because he makes you see it in a completely different light. That's pretty cool, man. Um, and. On the on the flip side of that, I got to try out the Variax, which was an experience, yeah. much like yeah. a, a baritone to you is an experience. This wasn't an experience to me. Yeah, so I mean, um, look, going into the going into the Variax, there's been a lot of Variax hate on this podcast. Um, like I, some I come haven't from Stuart, necessarily, <laughs> but there is some come from yourself as well. Me? Yeah, there is there is what? definitely been some come from you. I'm I'm pretty sure. But but anyway, so there's there's definitely been some shit talk uh, about Variaxes. I know uh, Lee has been definitely doing it. So it's no it's no time where you set the record straight. Now I I I must say, like for clarification, would I buy one? No. That is that. But yeah. But. It's really good fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it it's not a guitar that I would go well and that I I would go and spend money on. I you know, but say if you know, um, say if you've got a 
like a helix or whatever and the the tonal possibilities are impossibly paramount yeah because you could literally do anything like oh you want a les paul here you go oh you want a telecaster oh here you go oh you want a 12 string here you go and i was just like this, this should be possible it shouldn't be possible yeah, I mean, like, um, we 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 got stuck on a few um, on a few of the settings. Start off with you were you were on the Telecaster for a bit. You you really liked the um, the acoustic tone on it, like the big yeah. body. Because I got a um, like a Gibson J two hundred, big big body acoustic sound, and you were you were feeling that one. Yeah, well, I was it. really enjoying that because I mean the neck was really nice on it, but it's like. It's not slim, but it's not, you know, cricket bat. It, it, it's a nice middle ground. Yeah. Uh, and the neck was really nice. And when you put, a, a, was it like mode four or something on the, the, the top switch on the pickup selector to engage? And I was like, ooh, ooh, hello. And uh, you just got that low end come through it. And, and yeah, I, I really liked that. Yeah. And then there was the 12 string as well, which that surprised you as well, didn't it? You were like... Hang on, this, this sounds really like, good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I immediately, when he come onto the 12 string, I, I, I played poor renditions of some Bon Jovi Stairway. Because, yeah. you know, because those are like two songs I know that are done on 12 strings. Um, and I was just like, this is just really bizarre because I'm playing a six string, but it's it's a 12 string. And my, my, my head couldn't, wrap around what was going on yeah like the the tones in it are authentic enough that it fools you sometimes yeah and i I think that's also the key point with it i was just like yeah this 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 sounds like a 12 string this sounds like uh played like a, a resonator style uh sound on it as well and um uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. If, if somebody, you know, come to me and was like, I don't want this, do you want it? I would be like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. But would I go out and buy one? Probably not. Yeah, I mean... Because I probably wouldn't use it to its potential. Well, the 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 guitar itself, like the bass guitar, uh, without any of the technology, is not a guitar that you would necessarily be reaching for because that's why I, I uh, play that one so much is because... Even without the uh, like the Variax tech, it's a standard tune strat essentially. You've already yeah. got that covered in your in your lineup. Um, but like this, there's potential for the the Shuriken, which is like a single pickup uh, yeah, baritone. Um, Rabia and Leo from Froglip Studios were using the Shurikens and Helixes. Uh, because obviously some songs were like banjo songs and, <laughs> you know, all the songs were constantly it was either drop A or B standard or, you know, whatever, and constantly changing tunings. And so they just had a shuriken each and the whole set was done on a shuriken. But then when he moved to the quad cortex, he just uses these two Chapmans now. But like the shuriken, and if, if I had a helix, I would probably get one. Yeah. But not being, you know, with having the cortex it's kind of like i'm missing out on like a good 70 percent of of the practical side of things with it yeah that makes sense a lot of a lot of the stuff 
that you can do with the Variax, like involving the tuning and whatnot. You can already do on your your Cortex. So it, it renders like half of what the guitar does kind of useless. Uh, but like we we had we had some great fun with the tunings as well, didn't we? Like <laughs> once we'd got onto the um, like we got through some of the like, the key points of the um, of of the guitar modeling. I then showed you the the tuning knob. You were like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, yeah, now some you're in of it, some of <laughs> yeah, like, some of it was completely over my head. Like, you know, if I was in you know C sharp or E flat or like that's absolutely fine and then it was like open g and i was like yeah, i don't know I, do. I i was just like other than being able to do a bar chord and know you're just moving the g chord shape <laughs> down the fretboard i was like i have no idea what's going on on the fretboard here because that is a completely alien tuning to me yeah um and i was just like I, I don't like this but then but then the giggles came out. Yeah, so I I, uh, I had set one of the custom banks on the the various because you've got you've got your standard banks which are like your strap bank and your telly bank and so on and so forth, which all are customizable. You don't have to keep them as standard, but you tend to do that because it's all labelled up on the knob anyway. But you've got either side, you've got like a, a custom bank, and on the custom two bank. I've got a guitar where the quote-unquote standard tuning for that guitar is an octave down, just because you can. <laughs> uh, and uh, Josh found this, and then uh, hopefully the editors are going to do a really good job of keeping the, the video as organic and as natural as it was for when we were doing it. Because it's like we need to do a video on this now, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Like, yeah, the uh, moment you found. Found the octave down, you're like, oh, I know what I can do with this. And you started messing about with the quad cortex. And then yeah. this ungodly, like, rumble came out of it. Like, okay, yeah, we need to like, film this. We need to film uh, it. So, like, having the octave down, it would have been basically kind of like having the guitar in what is basically, it's like a cross between drop E and the bass, almost, I guess. Yeah, it's like, and it's, then, it's octave down E standard, is what it is. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, which is ridiculous in itself. And then uh, through the Cortex, I bought up my Spirit Box patch, which usually I use for um, the baritone in drop A, but then brings it down three semitones. So it's down, like I say, playing F sharp. Yeah. So then kind of like doing it then to... So if we're going down three semitones from E... We've so got D sharp, C, D, and then C sharp. It would have been C sharp standard, Look, but an octave, octave below the C out. sharp standard. Yeah, and it kind of got to the point where, like, I was trying to do it, like, I was hitting a harmonic on the 12th fret and then trying to, like, bend in behind the nut. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, why I was like, you? I can't get a harmonic. And I was like, oh, wait, that is the harmonic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, like, we, we ended up playing, like, ridiculously, ridiculously low guitar. And hopefully that, not, that video is going to be coming out sooner rather than later. Because oh, it was so much fun. Uh, and it was just like, you know, you could do the chug, chug, to chug, chug, you know, the, the percussive style sort of play. And it worked. It actually worked for that. Yeah. Because if, you know, 
Like the the low the low frequencies were almost so low that they weren't cutting through as much as the the percussion of the strike of the string. So you were getting this yeah. really kind of percussive um like note attack. Which I, I actually think sounded quite quite good in, in, in some way. I mean some people will be like, Really? <laughs> that but yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely cracking and I probably had more fun in that, I think, about five minutes of doing that video um, than I've I've had for a while on picking up a guitar. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, you, um, you can see the yeah. smile, like the smiles throughout that video are completely genuine. I, I even sent, because I uploaded it, video onto my iCloud, and I sent it to, like, a couple of friends of mine and my partner. And she was like, look how much your face is lit up doing that. And I was like, I know. <laughs> it was great. It was absolutely great. I, 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 I would actually tell a lie. I would buy a Variax just to do that again. <laughs> That's it. Big old chunky low, low notes. Yeah, it's... Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and like I say, hopefully that the, the video, it comes across just how much... Just how much joy that you were having with that. Um, we have got, I mean, we, we did some other things, but we're, we're going to leave it there because we've got some, we've got some kind of housekeeping stuff to do first. We have got a hot take, but before we do that, we've got a new, a little new segment of, of Joshy Josh, haven't we? Yeah, we, we have a brand new segment, which I'm going to be bringing to the Fret Talk podcast. Now, obviously, there's going to be some kind of leeway with this because we film this on whatever day we film it on, and it comes out on a Monday. But hopefully, this will still work. Indeed. Hopefully. So this is going to be Josh's budget buy or best deal of the week. Nice. So I I have a horrendous pet peeve where, not pet peeve, or should I say uh, addiction, that's the right yeah. word, addiction, where I scour about six or seven internet websites every day looking in... You know, whether it's B stock, whether it's second hand, clearance, blah, 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 looking at deals because you never know what you can find. Yeah. And today I think I have found an absolute creme de la creme of an app. I'm getting molested by my dog here. Um, Who features uh, quite heavily in a couple of the videos as well. Yes. Although she didn't smell as bad, bad then because she smells a wet dog now. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Joshy's bargain of the week segments uh and today this is courtesy uh on anderton's at the moment okay, okay. for 199 imperial credits or pounds uh we have a tech 21 richie cotson fly rig oh shit okay yeah yes um now I wouldn't usually advocate signature gear, but I know that Richie Cotson uses this live. He's featured it in a lot of his rig rod dance with binary dogs and with his own personal stuff that he does. Uh, and he actually uses one of these. And it's 200 and, well, 200 pounds, 199. Get a pound back for your 200. I see. Buy yourself a lollipop. Um, yeah. Well, can you get a lollipop for a pound anymore? I don't know. Um, I don't but know. I just don't know anymore. With with this, you know, you've got uh, you've got the delay, you've got the the sand zamp mode, and then you've got like his kind of uh, drive 
main drive sound all built yeah. in, inbuilt boost, inbuilt tuner, inbuilt tap tempo. Uh, okay. You can plug in it, inbuilt, yeah, you can just plug straight into it and then straight out yeah. for a, you know, a, to the PA. That's it. That's your, that's your rig. Um, and I can't think of what else you would need for £200. I think it's an absolute bargain. Yeah. So head on to Anderton's, just search in Richie Cutson or Tech 21. You'll see it on there. £200, free delivery. Get on it while you can. Yeah, they're decent. Uh, decent little um, units, aren't they? So they do the standard one. I think the standard one's like in a red finish and the, the Cotton one's like silver, isn't it? Well, this is the um, this is the Cotton one and it's red. Oh, okay. no, this is, I think it's the silver one that's just like a basic. Oh, it's, it's the standard one. Oh, I've got it the wrong way. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I've heard a fair fair amount of Cots and stuff and his tone is, is pretty much spot on. So Yeah. Uh, and I actually know somebody that owns one of these because he's a big Cotton fan. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like the absolute dog's bollocks. <laughs> no yeah, he says has been licked by a dog. I mean, that is, <laughs> that's professionalism there, that is. Right, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of respite. I'm going to talk to us about the, uh, the hot take. Uh, last week's hot take was the you have too many drive pedals, the controversy that is you have got too many drive pedals. Um, I think we touched a nerve with the the pedal community because <laughs> touched they, a nerve is not a statement. Yeah, yeah, they have been uh, they've been rolling out in absolute spades. Um, so, eighty eight percent of the vote went towards absolutely not getting uh, get those get those slanderous words out of your mouth. I was channeling channeling a little bit of Will Smith with that one. I think. Um, and then for some reason, uh, Facebook seems to think 11%, um, makes up the full hundred percent says, I know it's an issue. So only 11% agreed with it. So it is official that we don't have enough drive pedals and you probably should buy some more. So it's official. I mean, there was, there was somebody that seems to think fuzz is a drive pedal and I, I, I beg to differ. (laughs) because <laughs> if that's the case you have definitely definitely got too many uh drive pedals haven't you josh fuzz is a completely different category. okay okay i see how we're backtracking on it now. but it's okay it's, <laughs> it's, it's been it's been decided you you haven't got enough drive pedals and you need more so 88 percent of the vote says says otherwise uh so this week's one comes to you uh courtesy of andy schiller and he said that foot switch toppers, like the barefoot buttons and all of those ones, the little plasticky bits that go on the top of your foot switch to make them look like the mushroom, mushroom hats. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. They are the crocs of the pedal world. Agree. <laughs> it's a hard, hard agree from Josh. Uh, so I bought a pedal and it came with five free pedal toppers. They went straight in the bin. <laughs> Okay, I mean, take that environment, <laughs> but uh, uh, on principle, I, I like the fact that you're a man of principle and that you're you're telling it where it needs to go. So I can't stand them. I absolutely can't stand them. You could have somebody that posts a beautiful 
immaculate pedal board, you know, all the wiring is being cable tied all together and, yeah. you know, with harnesses or whatever. And then they put pedal toppers on it. And I'm like, no, what are you doing, man? Yeah, it's probably, uh, I mean, I, I I don't use them, but I, I think I have to be the voice of of the people on this one. And right, so how am I going to argue this? They are quite popular. You see them, so people are obviously buying them. So there's there's got to be a market for it. Uh, there's there's a few um, pedal companies that have, along with sending me pedal, sent me like a pedal topper to go with it as well. And I think the the like company branded pedal toppers are an absolute win. They look really cool when they are linked with the pedal company so uh, yeah i mean okay I, I understand you know say if people have got quite a congested pedal board and a lot of switches then it does make it easier to you know press a pedal or b pedal or c pedal or, or whatever but then just wear different shoes like but are we not saying this this little, this bad boy. I'm showing here like the um, hand painted Tate effects here, but with the the Tate effects pedal topper that matches the pedal as well. I I I have one of those pedal toppers, and it's in. Sorry for Stuart if you're listening. I'm really sorry because I love the Raise the Dead fuzz, but I can't ruin it and put a pedal topper on it. I'm so- sorry, but I can't. So to you, the pedal topper is like drawing a moustache on the Mona Lisa. Um, yeah. Or, or drawing it's... a penis on a on a clon pedal. <laughs> drawing a penis on a clon. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah. It's really hard for me to advocate for for it because I don't I do not do it myself. But then again, I'll, like my pedal board is pretty much just thrown together. And the pedals aren't so close that I have problems stepping on. One or other. I think the only way I could advocate for it, and this is, I wouldn't say it's pushing it, but it's making a scenario where I say, okay, fine, I understand. It would be, I think, is it Mua? They make glow in the dark ones. And I can understand, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, we've all played stages that are very dark and it can be difficult to see, you know, where your, where your buttons are. So I can understand if you've got a glow in the dark ones on. It does make it easy to say, okay, um, you know, I can I can actually see where my pedal button is rather than going uh, 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 and then finally hitting it. That's that's me casting a line out to say, okay, I will save, you know, I will save the, <laughs> yeah. the seg the segment, so to speak. But I I still wouldn't be caught dead using one. Yeah, I think I think we now leave it up to the the viewers. So we've got. We're going to have four or against with this one in some kind of hilarious comedy fashion for your choices. But basically... The... Top, top me up and... <laughs> That's it. I'm a bottom. I prefer to go topless. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it's too good. Oh, it's, for, it's a niche, niche one, isn't it? I'll tell you what, we'll do, we'll do one, one news... We'll do one news and then we'll we'll call it a day. It, we're at an hour already. 
And the news that we've got to do is, is actually from last week. We've got to do Walrus Audio Mira Optical Compressor, which I, I wrote last week as an optical trim, which it definitely ain't. Unless you're using it particularly badly, it's not an optical trim. Uh, <laughs> so the Walrus Audio Mira is, they're touting it to be a studio quality uh, compressor. It's definitely got the controls that you would expect from a studio compressor. So we've got a level threshold, attack, release, ratio, makeup. You've got a blend. You've got a high pass filter and a side chain. Uh, good for uh, low uh, low notes and bass, bass stuff, apparently. So they're, they're saying it's studio grade, but it doesn't have metering with it. Not even like a rudimentary meeting, uh, metering where it's got like a, uh, a light, an LED that lights up when it starts compressing. So studio grade-ish, but it def- it's, it's definitely got more controls than you would find on your standard guitarist's compressor. Because if you think about the, the standard stuff, you find like the red, uh, the um, Dynacomp, sorry, the, like the, the MXR, that's got two controls. It's basically got blend and then like amount of <laughs> compression. So you can really, really squish the uh, squish the note, but there's no, none of that fine tuning. You tend to find there are like three or four knobs, don't you? Uh, but this is, this is a massive, got massive control. So you've got the it's because it's usually like is it threshold ratio and attack or something you know is usually the the, the go to yeah so this I mean this is like very very full featured the fears that I have for it is that a guitarist will look at this like your average guitarist will look at this and just completely shit themselves because like I know what all of those controls do theoretically. But when it comes to actual practice, like <laughs> maybe not so much. So yeah, I mean we've got the like the threshold is like the the amount of decibels it takes for the effects to take effect. So anything below the threshold doesn't get affected by the, the compressor at all. You've got the attack is the quickness in which the compressor acts. So you can push the attack back and get the the note transient to come through and it will make your guitar signal sound a lot more natural because if you if you cut in that initial note transient it cuts off a lot of volume and you can hear it almost instantly it squishes that's the kind of the squish that you get from the the um guitar quote unquote um compressors so you can like dial in the amount of that, and then the release, the 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 amount of time before it relaxes off the compressor as well. Ratio is obviously the amount of compression, and then you've got makeup gain, which is absolutely instrumental for a, a compressor because basically what you're doing with a compressor is chopping off the top of your note. So the makeup gain then raises the volume after you've done all the changes to it to to bring you up to the the level the perceived level of volume that you should be at originally so there's a lot going on it's definitely an art to use in a compressor correctly um because you can use if you haven't got really an understanding of how you're using a compressor it can be it can be really poor 
but if you know what you're doing with them, it can work really well for like solo boosts, you know, um, and really cleaning up and tightening up the signal quite nicely. Yeah, I I use them quite a lot because um, like the kind of playing that I'll do, I'll do a lot of kind of funky percussive um, rhythm guitar playing, which is really hard to get uh, like a consistency in terms of like the note volumes that you get. So it evens out that that the disparity between the height, the like when you hitting hard and when you um, like lightening up on it a bit. It really evens up that that rhythm playing, so it gives you a lot smoother of a uh, of a note, and also adds a bit of sustain. Because I'm not using like mass 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 amounts again. Um, the the sustain can lack a little bit, so I want the tone of that like barely breaking up drive, but I want a bit of, like the sustain of a really high gain sound almost. And you can get that with a compressor pushing the front end. So like I get I get the reason for it, but I I am concerned that guitarists might be a little bit scared of so many controls. But I don't know. I have been wrong before. I think the the biggest uh, biggest omission on the feature set is that metering. Not having like a visual visual aid of when the compressor is coming in. Just to allow you to, because the moment you start hearing a compressor is too much. It's it's already doing more than it needs to. So, you could, I suppose you could dial in when you start hearing it and then back off. But that's that's adding like a random element to it. You're you're almost adding guesswork into your tone then. Whereas if you can see it as well, see where the compression's just about touching the notes. Yeah, it's definitely an effect that is a lot. It's more visually. Um, you're able to. I can't. I forgot. I've I've forgotten how to English. Like words <laughs> are, words are impossible. It's easier to know what you're doing visually than it is just by listening. Yeah, yeah, because it's because it's so subtle as an effect, uh, and I think. Like when you're using studio get blah, blah, studio grade compressors on your uh, DAW, like if you ever do any recording, half of what you're doing is looking at the visual, like you're looking at a red line moving, or you're looking at uh, like a, a, a peak meter, rather than listening, like using your ear only to dictate how much compression you need. Um, so I think. Not having a metering, even like a rudimentary LED, is a little bit of a letdown. It's a $249 pedal as well. So, like, you are competing with the big boys there. You're competing with the Cali 76 as well. So, I was just going to have a quick look to see what compressors that are, like, kind of on the market in that sort of... I think the Keeley is in Keeley's much cheaper than that, I think. But the Keeley's yeah. a four-knob compressor, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so what we're saying, 250, so you yeah, I mean, like, all the, you know, big boy ones, you know, you got a Strymon at 289. A compressor? A Strymon, yeah. Uh, what's that one called? Uh, is it the... The Compadre. 
Ah, yes, because uh, it was the OB1, weren't it, the compressor? Yeah. Uh, you've got um, even like the Keeley Compressor Pro is 299. Dark glass, uh, luminol is 235. Do, do any of these have um, have visual as well? Do they have a, a meter uh, mode? The, the dark glass does. Uh, it's got um, a metering for the game reduction, the ratio, and uh, like a visual indicator mode. Yeah. Uh, the Keeley compressor does. Uh, the pro version that is. Yeah. Um, so I don't think yeah, the I don't think the four knob does. But... Uh, no. Um, the Strymon. I don't think uh, does does, does it? not. No, the Strymon doesn't. Okay, um, so but... like, look, you're talking an extra fifty dollars to get the the meter in, uh, and like the stuff that's around that, the Strymon. You're not. That's not a feature. But, like, arguably, that would be a, a quite a simple feature to add. And it's it's a feature that isn't there. Um, even, I, sorry, t- uh, even the Boss uh, CP1 has a visual. It does. It has that little kind of bar at the bottom, uh, doesn't it? Yes. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's that's cool. So, uh, yeah, it's it's fully featured. You can see where it sits within the market, and it does. It has the feature set of of other pedals within that kind of price range. So, time will tell. I think. Who's uh, yes? I'm just looking through as well. There's one um, by Empress Effects, which is a six knob um, compressor. Well. Um, it's two six nine, so you're talking what about fifteen, fifteen extra, you know, yeah. pounds, dollars coming out of your pocket. But it also gauges your input level as well as the gain reduction. Okay, so it's got an input meter and an output meter. Fantastic. That, that's, <laughs> Shit. And that's, that, that's the winner yeah. there, isn't it? <laughs> right, that's our podcast for this week. I reckon that is yeah, where we end. I agree. It. Um, so. Massive, massive, massive thank you to listeners for catching up for this week. You are amazing. The Patreon backers, you are extra amazing. And I think you might even get a little bit of bonus material this week. We'll see what we can do. Uh, and if you want to be one of those Patreon backers, it is only it is only $2 a month that you can get on this train. And it is definitely a train worth getting on because you get your name read out on the podcast you are as follows the people who back us on patreon are mr andrew bimson mr adam yeomans maybe of chef tone effects watch this space mr doug christ of 37 effects of masters of the cinematic universe and of the just surprise me podcast we've got mr hugh g rection (laughs) yes we have got mr ben fletcher of fletcher pickups and we've got mr brian gower of the tone jerks podcast and the second button podcast and of the just surprise me podcast pretty much quite frequently as well so massive thanks to those guys those are the people who keep this light on this one here the one that is keeping me from being in the dark at the moment Uh, if you want to catch me online i am mr budget pedal chap aka budge you can find me at Budget Pedal Chap at Facebook, at Instagram, and at YouTube. YouTube is the home to the No Talk or Tone series 
and the No Talk or Tone Versus series, which this week featured the Demon Effects mini chorus. Don't know what it will feature next week because I've not recorded it yet. Josh, where can we find you online? You can find me at the Corona Mortis. You can find me at the Guitar Geeks podcast. And we just had an episode go live with um, Marcus Deluxe from Deluxe Pedalboards. And don't forget, Pedalboards of Doom on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to be checking out that Marcus Deluxe Pedalboards one because he's, he's a cool guy. He used to be on a podcast, actually, and he's really funny. So... I can expect it to be to be the absolute, yeah, chef's kiss. So that is us for this week. From myself, Mr. Budget Purple Chap. From, oh my gosh, it is Josh. It, bye, Josh. Bye, bye Josh. <laughs> it will be a tatty bye and good night for this week. Bye. and scissors have entered a race rock has begun to roll but paper and scissors remain stationary (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean yes god tier dad joke